Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Fulgham. I'm Sasha Smulders. This is The Sandman, Issue 35, A Game of You, Chapter 4. The cover of this issue, as with the rest in this series, The Game of You uh, story arc, is photography, collage, and color Xeroxography. This one has like, I think that's a taxi sign with the rates. Is it? A dollar oh, ten, a dollar for, ten the first. first ninth mile. So that's the taxi. Yeah. 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 Why are they one ninths of a mile and not I one guess tenth? That's, uh, oh, geez. I don't know. Fractions are weird. I. That's probably how it works in some city, New York, perhaps. Mm. I, this is a place where I will uh, admit ignorance. <laughs> and we have a man. Uh, saying cuckoo and he's looking at a picture of birds but also it looks like it's a spear going all the way through his mouth and at the back of his head well the back of his word balloon yeah and there's a a shadowy figure behind him it looks kind of like a dementor yeah yeah i i yeah it feels like a spirit right and it could also oh no i know what it is okay okay the thing going through his head is goes to the mouth of that spirit and that oh, spirit, the spirit is, saying, is saying cuckoo, cuckoo through and it's him. coming through his mouth. Whoa. Yeah. We actually figured out a cover. Together. Together. That's fucking teamwork. <laughs> well, let's head on into the land. Mm-hmm. Where they use some teamwork. So a lot of the um the first half of this journey when they're in the icy place mm-hmm. reminds me of Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, there are definite allusions to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit in here, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a direct one. And Wizard of on. Oz. And like, Wizard of yeah. Oz, yeah. Yeah, the entire land seems to be heavily influenced by those kind of things. Interesting. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> so they're uh, they're scaling the side of a cliff. Yeah. Very scary. And they're talking about where they're going next. And yeah. so they're, you know, they're in this really desolate, snowy mountainside, and they're planning to head to the forest. Um, and the trees were were uh, supposed to believe are sentient. I guess. There's no love lost between the trees and the cuckoo? Not that they're on our side, mind you. Although most of the trees are all right. Keep themselves to themselves unless they're bothered, and only an idiot bothers a tree. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, like, the trees are pretty normal when we get back, like, when we get to the forest. They don't, I kind of expected maybe when it's I read that. because nobody's that, bothering them. Oh, okay. It's like ants. Ants don't move around that often. Mm. And I think this is basically an allusion to ants here. Okay. That the trees like this are ants and generally they just stand there like trees. Now, this is the first mention of the tweeners. Yeah. Whatever they are. Yeah, we don't get much information on them. No. The name tweener, probably in-betweener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't know what that's a play on, though. Hmm. I have a theory. But oh. I'll bring it up when we get to them showing up. Okay. Princess Barbara is wearing her pretty party dress, but she's cold. Well, that's what that's what princesses are supposed to wear. Yeah, yeah, especially in the land, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Over on page two, Wilkinson is singing It's a Long Way to Tipperary. It's a Long Way to Tipperary is a British music hall song written by Jack Judge and co-credited to Henry James' Harry Williams. It became popular among soldiers in the First World War. 
Up to mighty London came an Irishman one day. As the streets are paved with gold, sure everyone was gay. Singing songs of Piccadilly, Strand and Leicester Square. Till Paddy got excited, then he shouted to them there. It's a long way to Tipperary. It's a long way to go. It's a long way. The song actually became popular because soldiers were walking around singing it. Yeah. They sang it and other soldiers heard it and said, we have to sing that song too. It is really cool when they go by singing that song. So everybody started to buy the sheet music in practice. Well, also as a song, it's about, you know, they're all singing about going to war and being far away from, you know, their their dames. There was a note when I was researching this saying that the First World War was one of the first where the music was not actually about how proud they were to be at war, mm-hmm. but about how much they longed to win the war and go back home. Huh. Yeah. So they make their way through the snow. I love the snow effect. I, I'm guessing that they drew the all the art and then it looks like overlaid like a transparency with the snow on it in places. Yeah, it almost looks like paint splatter. Yeah, 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 paint splatter, snow, and I, I, I really like the effect. I think it works really well. Mm-hmm. And they see something in the distance, and they're mm-hmm. not quite sure what they see. And then we get our little alternate title. The Salmon Annotations notes that this is named from a Velvet Underground song of the same name beginning to see the light. It also could be a reference to the song made famous by Ella Fitzgerald and I'm beginning to see the light. But he's missing the I'm. I never cared much for moonlit skies. I never winked back at fireflies. But now that the stars are in your eyes, I'm beginning to see the light. I feel I like it's probably, at least lyrically, more connected to the Velvet Underground song. It's probably the first one. Yeah. But... But that's a good song. Ella Fitzgerald the Ella is, song is good. queen. Sure. So. <laughs> is queen. Yes. She's okay. the queen. Now, she remembers the Hiromancer. Yeah. She'd met him before, and he was a sweet old guy that reminds her of her grandfather. I'm curious. Mm. Curious that a character in her dream world would remind her of her grandfather. Yes. He's dead. I expect that he's dead. If he's lucky, he's dead. Oh, Wilkinson. Always looking on the bright side of things. Mm-hmm. So they need to get to the brightly shining sea. They need to avoid the Citadel of the Cuckoo and get to the Isle of Thorns with the Porpentine. Because that's where the hierogram is, or so Martin Tenbones maintained. It's funny. Every time you say it, it just sounds like word salad to me. What's that? It's just that <clears throat> the expectation, like the where they're going. We're going from here to this place, to this place, to this place. And it's just a word salad every the time. The Isle of Thorns. It's just you don't see an aisle of covered with thorns. I do. It's of... it's something about that information of okay the yeah the cuckoo and the Isle of Thorns and the porpentine, with the porpentine which and is the hierogram. All of it is just blah, 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 in well, my brain. Well, we don't brain, know what the hierogram looks today. like, but we know what the porpentine looks like. Yes, I can imagine what the Isle of Thorns looks like. 
Do you know, do you know what a causeway is? The citadel of a cuckoo? No, what's a causeway? A causeway is a raised road or track across lower wet ground. Mm. So instead of building a bridge, you basically just do a big mound of dirt that stays above whatever the water is, and that road is a causeway. Hmm. Yeah. I mostly know the term because of a friend of mine from Nova Scotia who used to love to exclaim after a few drinks, Free Cape Breton, down with the causeway! Okay. Apparently, Cape Breton is connected to the rest of Nova Scotia by the causeway, mm. and uh, some people there would get drunk and uh, call for freedom of Cape Breton by <laughs> getting rid of the causeway. All right. I don't know the nature of his drunken exclamation. All I know is that he thought it was hilarious, and in turn, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> they come across a body, which we saw in the in the first issue, right? Yeah, this confirms that this is the Tantoblin. Yeah. And his rib cage is all ripped open. Yeah. Yeah, it does not look like he died well. No, his face is not what I would call peaceful. No. No. But yeah. He, he does appear to be humanoid. Unlike yeah. these other characters. Yeah, I think his ears are pointy. Yeah, he's got pointy ears. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he's dead, but maybe he's normally kind of bluish like this. I was about to say that, like he's the color of the snow, but that well, might be a corpse. the sky, though. he's not quite white, but yeah, it's it's not good. Tantablin is super dead, but he's got a message. Uh, he's got a message, and Princess Barbara remembers him. Martin Tenbones and I were on our way to the Arch of the Porpentine when we were attacked by these white grub things like fat children. Some people helped us escape. They were carrying this room around with them. I mean, it wasn't a big room or anything, but we went into it, and when we came out, we were somewhere else, somewhere closer to where we wanted to be. And this guy was waiting for us, and he made us breakfast. I liked him. From what we can see here, what I really like is that the uh, the little white blobby people... That are like little children. They mm -hmm. look like that adipose from the, the, yeah from Doctor Who, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I'm picturing. And then the room is not just being carried by people; it's being carried by what look like dinosaurs. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, little uh, happy dinosaurs. <laughs> well, one of them looks pretty worried. Yeah, they well, got their worried eyebrows on. I guess, but they're they're kind of smiling. Yeah, okay. Well, they that's because they got. They got just a big old, their whole face is like mouth. So they always look like they're smiling. <laughs> yeah. Like dolphins. Dolphins are having a terrible time. You just so, can't tell because the way their face is shaped. That is a very fantastical dream story though, right? That they're carrying a room and they go into it. And when they walk into it, they're somewhere else. But it's also totally how this kind of high fantasy works. Like it fits along with the, the Hobbit, you know, mm. Alice in Wonderland kind of vibe. So we did mention that Tantoblin could be actually mean a tart or round pastry. Oh, so probably or pastries. a lump of excrement. So he <laughs> he could he's probably a pastry. Let's hope that they had pastries and not turds. <laughs> yeah, she probably wouldn't have liked him as much if uh, he'd fed her turds. Yeah, he probably fed her pastries. Mm. He was probably the pastry goblin. Yummy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it turns out when the cuckoo came and they crushed the rest of the room patrol, yeah. the Tintoblin had to become a courier. Mm -hmm. Came the mail guy. Taking tidings of the resistance to different parts of the land. And Barbara insists that they bury him because she owes him that much. And they do. And then they find some shelter and again in a very 
similar to Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly scene. what I thought when I saw the... Yeah. As soon as I saw the thing they hide under, yeah. and like from in the book, you can see right across that the... the warriors or the cuckoo are marching by mm-hmm. i was like oh it looks just like it so when they're hiding under the snowdrift in their little makeshift shelter she's looking at the message and it's a big scroll but in it there are polaroids of her with her like cool makeup designs mm-hmm. and then there's also this uh this write-up all about cuckoos like the bird yeah it feels like neil just copied this straight out of out of some kind of encyclopedia entry on cuckoos yes and no i feel like it's a little bit um i think he punched it up a little bit to make it more uh ominous at the end after a while the murderous instinct passes and any nestlings that are too heavy to have been thrown out are accepted as bedmates as a rule, the young cuckoo gets the nest to itself, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Anyway, this uh, this definitely gave me feelings about in listening to this description of what cuckoos are, which we've we've been over on this podcast previously. Mm-hmm. Um, just gives me more and more ideas about who the cuckoo might actually be. Oh, who do you think the cuckoo might actually? Well, be? that's part of my is going to be part of my okay uh, prediction. Okay, so I'm keeping it myself till the end. Okay. Good. I like that. Okay. I just have, I have inklings. I have inklings. The cuckoo soldiers tramp on by. Yeah, they don't notice them. I could have reached out and touched one. I could have reached out, but I did not. Black glistening armor. I had no doubts they were searching for us. And I had a brief mad impulse to scream and run out to laugh and say, here we are. Hide and seek. And later she notes, nothing else bad happened crossing the plane. Although when I tried looking at them again, I saw that the Polaroids had changed into old playing cards, while the words on the scroll had run together and were blurred and unreadable. And that's very much like dreams. Yep. Um, That was something that uh, when I was looking into lucid dreaming, uh, reading about lucid dreaming, that one of the pieces of um, information they give you about how to begin a lucid dream is to look at writing. Um, so if you think you're dreaming, read something so if there's a sign or anything near you, read it, and then look away, and then look at it and read it again. And it will either be different or gone or incomprehensible because yeah, you can't read things like you. Yeah, this doesn't, your brain cannot support that <laughs> in a dream. And that's how, like, that's a, that's a trick for getting yourself into uh, a lucid dream. I've oh. never done it myself, but that's okay. what that's what all the the people when they write about it. That's one of the pieces of information they give you as a way to realize you're dreaming while you're dreaming. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That night we slept in a ditch. The four of us huddled together for warmth. I do not remember dreaming. Next page: the dreaming. And Morpheus gets a report. He does. Mm-hmm. It to me, it just looks like a picture with a bunch of little um, islands in the sea. Uh, yeah, this one, Lord, look, it's here on the map. He's, he said which one, so he's showing him a map. This mm. one. They look like volcanic islands, but they're the Scaries. Scaries, yeah. The Scaries. <laughs> Gotta take a ferry to get to the Scary. I had thought the Scary long since crumbled, the compact forgotten and void. I was an heir. Ah, well, we must wait and see how things fall. 
But Nuala has a confession to make. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So she's been, uh, apparently, she's been told to watch Barbie's dreams. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't help herself. She had to warn Barbie. Mm-hmm. I thought I should tell you. I'm sorry. I see. Thank you for telling me, Nuala. That will be all. He turns and walks away. He stops. Turns back. Nuala, you did the right thing. She gets a really big smile. Well, because she looks like, oh, no, he's disappointed with me. I'm so sad. Yeah, she kind of broke the rules. And she's also finding out what her boss is like, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I did this thing that if you're a bad person, you might be angry at me about. (laughs) (laughs) Tried to help somebody. I'm allowed to help sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Barbie wakes up and it's like they're in a completely different ecosystem now. Yeah. It's sunny and warm. It's summery looking. That's right. When they fell asleep, they were under that big lump of snow. Mm-hmm. And now there's fruit on the trees. So they've reached the forest. Mm-hmm. And it's probably instantaneous. It seems instant for them. Yeah. It's uh, magically uh, spring or summertime, actually, because the fruit's ready to eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wilkinson, it's warm. I can't believe it. I thought I was never going to be warm again. Where are we? The forest borders. You hungry? Oh, I wish you hadn't asked. Yes, I'm starving. Oh, poor princess. Uh, <laughs> Pranado's up the tree looking for eggs and loses bartering with the Nidrig, G-N-I-E-D-R-I-G, for fire. Oh. Uh, couldn't exactly find what that means. Google Translate actually tells me that it means gloomy okay. in German. But my German friend Lars says... Not in my vocabulary. Might be Austrian or Bavarian, though, is what he noted. Oh, cool. But Nydrig means possibly means gloomy, although without the G at the front, Nydrig means low. Hmm. So these folks need to ask, they need to barter with someone to get fire. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And they never really come back to it. It's just nope. a throwaway line. Yep. Gotta get some fire. I guess they don't have any fire starters. So if you're just out in the woods and you need a fire, you need to buy fire starters from somebody. Hmm. So maybe that's what they meant. Maybe. I wasn't scared, of course. Not me. Nerves and whiskers of steel I've got. <laughs> sure you have. <laughs> uh, now, the thing I've really gathered about Wilkinson is he likes to talk. Yep. He's a blabbermouth. Yeah, he's kind of all talk. Hasn't really seemed to do much. He's kind of a coward, but he likes to pretend he's not. I don't think I've seen him be cowardly. He's always afraid of horrible things, although he would argue he's being realistic. Yeah. I mean, he he puts himself in danger. Like, it's not like he's... I don't think he's cowardice about the danger, but he's also really pragmatic, you know? Wish in one hand, shit in the other, see which fills up first. <laughs> As in, like, wishes don't actually help you. Yeah. Getting stuff done helps you. Like, you have to do the thing. You can't just sit there and say, I'm hungry. Like, breakfast won't just come to you. Uh, yeah. That's my interpretation of his character. Okay. I like him. He's uh, He seems to be in a constant state of terror, but he's also right about that. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard to judge him. Yeah, he should be afraid. It's he's, a scary place. He's going through terrible times right now. Yeah. He's a pessimist who's being proven right, right? Yeah. 
especially in a few pages. Oh my gosh, too. Yeah. Yes, it just, oh, oh dear. And uh, we find out that they're not really sure what to do, like what the hierogram is and how it will interact with the... Yeah, they're not sure what they actually have to do once they get there. They yeah. just know Martin Tenbones was like, you have to get the porpentine to the hierogram. Yeah, Martin Tenbones is like, we know, I know there's a thing here, and then I know I have all the answers, but I'm going to be the first to die, so you don't mm-hmm. know anything about what's coming up. They're just kind of hoping that as with, they're just kind of hoping that as with these kind of adventures, that it's going to all work out, that they will strive against evil, and they will bring the MacGuffin to the place, and they will finish it and win. Because that's how it works when yeah. you're a princess in one of these stories. They'll burn that bridge when they come to it. That's right. Which is not usually the way that saying goes. Right, right. That's a, it's the it's the pessimist version of that saying. Instead of we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, we'll yeah. burn it when we come to it. Yeah. And we get a little commentary on the land on the next page over. Barbie noticed that she could taste it and didn't think you could taste things in a dream. And Lou says, this isn't a dream. And Pronato says, it is a dream. And Mm. Wilkinson says, well, yes, it is a dream, but not in the way she means. And Pronato says, is still a dream. Before you you came, before the cuckoo, the land was here. And she says, how about if it's my dream? No, you come here to dream. But the land is older than you, princess. So this scary is older than Barbara. She points out she's really happy. Yeah, she's like, just having the time of her life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to go really, really good for her. Uh, it seems to be that right? way. Right? Yeah. yeah. So now them going through the woods like this, this is also very reminiscent. She's remembering um, she's remembering The Hobbit mm-hmm. uh, with Bilbo Baggins in, in, the, uh, in the forest. Yeah. But... Another thing that this is very reminiscent of is the uh, is the Wizard of Oz, especially because mm-hmm. it's a, a girl traveling with her three companions. Yeah. She's just missing Toto. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's Nuala. So yeah, they make they make their way through the forest and she yeah, she directly mentions Bilbo and Mirkwood and wonders about the giant spiders. And Wilkinson says, oh, giant spiders around here? Of course not. And she says, sorry, silly of me. No, the giant spiders is all in a little forest to the west of here. They're good people. They're loyal to you, not to the cuckoo, but they are few in number and timid beasts. Yeah, I love it. Spiders, they're good. I love the idea of a giant, timid spider. Well, their legs are probably pretty easily snappable. Yeah. You're a giant thing with these spindly little legs, spindly tiny legs that, you know, somebody with a sword could cut up pretty easily. And then what are you? You're a seven-legged spider. Well, also, if you're not what they're going to hunt, then there's no reason for for you to see them. So they would be timid because it's a waste of energy for them to run into something that's not what they're hunting. Oh, yeah. But what, what do you think giant spiders hunt? Giant flies. Well, depending on what kind of spider they are, right? Like they could be a hunting spider, which would mean they would be hunting other large animals of any type, mm. right? There could be just a hunting spider that like just kind of lives in a den and jumps out and grabs a deer when it goes by, mm. pulls it in and eats it or whatever the fantasy equivalent of a deer is, right? There could be a web spider that catches fairies and eats them. Yum, yum, yum. That would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, all sorts of spiders. 
Hmm. All sorts of... They, there could be giant spiders that eat other giant spiders. Mm. Maybe they roam around doing that. That would be hilarious. The the final blow about to be struck by the giant spider that caught you in its web, and a spider-hunting spider leaps out of nowhere and kills it for you. So you want the end of the new Jurassic World movie. Yes. Oh, World. yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, except with spiders. Can we do Jurassic World except with the giant spiders? Yes. Um, yes, we can. Because then we could do it without somebody running in high heels. No, we'll put one spider in high heels. Well, all their legs are, are kind of pointy. I know, but they'll put them in little strappy stilettos. Wait, wait, wait. The stiletto high heels actually make it so that you can run across the spider web better because <gasps> you hook on them. Okay. TM, this whole idea, this is gold. Uh, now, they send they send Pranato ahead to scout for them. Mm-hmm. He goes climbing up into the trees, much like Bilbo did. Mm-hmm. Did Bilbo climb up in the trees? Yeah, one time the dwarves sent him climbing, and he climbed all the way up to the oh, very top I, of the tree. I do remember when they climbed up, but I, I saw Pranato like, swinging through the trees, and I was like, I don't remember Bilbo swinging. Well, no. Bilbo's not a monkey. Bilbo's trees. a hobbit. Yeah. But, you know, it still happened. And then one day, Pranato didn't come back. That must be so awful. That's just so sad. Mm-hmm. And without him, they're lost. Yeah. Yeah. Wilkinson claimed when Barbie spoke to him to have an instinct for direction, but it, <laughs> he was really just caught following Pranato. Now, Barbie has a solution that is very good. Mm-hmm. She knows a thing or two about streams and rivers. Yes. Uh, if they are going to the sea, they just need to follow a stream or a river to the sea. And that is mm. very, very good advice if you ever get lost. Mm. Although if you do get lost in the woods, stay stay where you are, actually. That's the best advice. If someone is coming to look for you, you need to stay where you are. But yeah. the other advice is if you know no one is coming to look for you, follow a river or a stream. Hmm. Do you Do you think Pernado's all right? And Wilkinson says... No. That is a blunt answer. And then over to the next page. I don't think with the expression on his face, it's callous. I no, think it's I don't like, think it's, it's callous. Like, no, like it's scared. It's, yeah. But it's honest. Mm-hmm. Like it's direct. It's not cushioned at all is what I mean. No. No. And then in the dead of night, mm-hmm. Pernado comes back. Yeah, and he's hanging from something, but it also kind of looks like it's a long hand holding him. Oh, I didn't notice what those like could be fingers. I just thought it was a vine wrapped around his neck. It, I think it is, but I don't know why there, there's like a whole bunch of them sticking up. So it does feel kind of like fingers, like it's holding him there. Mm. And we don't know exactly what tweeners look like. Mm. I'm not sure. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. She says, wake up. Pernado's back, I think. And Wilkinson goes, Pernado, Pernado, old buddy, is that you? No, it's not. So, okay, you want to know who I think the tweeners are? Okay. Based off of their loopy writing? Yes. I think they're tweens. They're, they're like... I mean, okay, they're like a dream version of tweens. If you didn't know what okay. a tween was, but you were just like, they're not... They're not adolescents and they're not teenagers. Okay. <laughs> they're annoying and hormonal and they have this loopy writing and they're coming to get you, tweens. 
We that. serve no one but ourselves. The tweeners belong to the tweeners, and these are our woods. We were here before the cuckoo. We were here before you. And Wilkinson has some advice. Tweeners, run, just run. run. Yeah, you got to run from the tweens. Yeah. So that is my, that's kind of my, my guess is that the name in itself kind of came out of this idea of tweens. Hmm. Scary tweens. As they run, they find a glowing path, the porpentine lighting up. They find their own version of the yellow brick road. Mm-hmm. And they're even holding hands while they walk down it. Yep. Yeah, being lit up by the porpentine. Mm-hmm. There was no more sleep that night for any of us. Follow the yellow brick road kept running through my head, but the stones were not bricks and they were dirty gray. And the path heads right to the edge of a cliff overlooking the sea. Yeah, the brightly shining sea. Lose volunteers to head down to fetch help. So selfless. Mm-hmm. What a good friend, Lou. What a good friend. Yeah. So good. Alone, I have a chance. Together, we have none. You stay here. I will be back by nightfall. Now, do you think that when you're looking at this picture with the <clears throat> sea and the seagulls, mm-hmm. so there's the cliff and they're standing on the edge of it. There's the purpley island thing. And then behind that, there's the grayish island thing. And it looks like it's got buildings. So that's the city they're talking about? I think so, yeah. It was hard to tell my first time looking, but like now it looks like that to me. Mm-hmm. Next up, we're in the we're back in the apartment. Back in New York, George wants to talk. Mm-hmm. It's very chatty. Yeah, and uh, he says a bunch of shitty things. Yeah. So, <sighs> can I talk a little about chromosomes? <laughs> <laughs> sure. And how they're also not exactly a binary. Yeah. And there's like so okay. So George says, like, oh, the moon doesn't care, and it's about chromosomes. And I can kind of, so, like, biological gender, like, he's arguing that biological gender is what the moon cares about, but I'm just going to throw this out here. Biological gender also isn't absolute, and it isn't a fixed point, and it isn't a binary, necessarily. It's a lot more of a spectrum. Yeah. So, like, while Wanda's character is not intersex, like, also... This reasoning is kind of garbage, too. Yeah. So, and and yeah. she says, she even tells, she says, uh, when he says uh, gender isn't something you can pick and choose uh, as far as gods are concerned, and she says, well, that's something the gods can take and stuff up their sacred recta. That would be the plural of rectum. Mm. I know what I am. And also, let's remember, George is a servant of a villain. Yeah. So this could be him just going, I'm just going to say things that make you feel bad. Mm. I'm dead and you stuck me to a wall. So I'm going to toy with your emotions. Why not? Mm. So we've had all of these things where like kind of we create gods, right? Especially in these worlds where like our belief creates them. Okay. It. This is well. This is a. It's a common theme in these kind of things that that the actual belief of humans together uh, in worlds like this create actually cause the gods to come into existence. So that belief is what creates them. And you could argue that if you have a bunch of trans exclusionary witches who believe in this biological based sex thing, 
then the goddess that they worship, as represented in this instance by the moon, is going to be trans-exclusionary and shitty. So the moon isn't a turf, but the shitty witches who made, like... Seems that way. Who make her magic art. So, so the way the magic works is it's based around how you believe that it works is kind of what makes it work. Uh, well, I'm not saying di- like directly, like not mm. one person believes it. No, but, but the like, power of. The power of all of these people believing in it caused it to happen. And that's why we have, why in the DC universe you have these gods. Can um, these damn turfs reckon moon magic for yeah, everybody. And I think that there would definitely be cultures that would call down the moon and would say, "Can Wanda can come, right? And the moon would be like, um, yeah, why wouldn't? Wanda Wanda's a woman. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. It would probably be a lot uh, better spoken than I just was there. <laughs> but uh, I'd be like, yeah, girl, let's go. I think this is kind of how I feel about this. I, I think we're getting hints that Thessaly's not great. Okay. <laughs> that, like, and again, remember, Thessaly's doing all of this, what we're now being told is dangerous stuff. Right, George mm-hmm. is pointing out in this scene. Get, let's get, getting back to it. Whew, uh, that what she did to the tides and the weather, she shouldn't mess with the moon. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So the spell she's cast solely to get revenge against something that she only learned existed and only kind of wanted to harm her, mm-hmm. and she's endangering potentially. I don't know the planet. At least New York is having this problem right yeah. now. So Thessaly, while she's a badass, she also might not be exactly a good person. Mm. I feel like anyone who's like thousands of years old would stop being a good person. You know what I mean? Like if you lived long enough that human lives don't really mean anything to you anymore because they're so short. Yeah. You just stop being like you're not necessarily evil but you're just not right you have different values and things there's actually a lot of cyberpunk deals with that kind of thing like Mm -hmm. dealing with the so-called methuselahs who are the really rich people who can end up living for a long time Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of now that i'm talking about that altered carbon okay richard morgan is a fantastic novel it's going to be a netflix series soon it's been optioned to do i think they're actually in production for it and i think that's a fantastic choice in it the main character is hired by somebody who is rich enough to just have a whole bunch of clone bodies of himself so that whenever anything happens he just gets his personality put into a new body so he's hundreds and hundreds of years old and fabulously wealthy and uh doesn't really operate like regular humans anymore Mm. yeah Hmm. But in a lot of ways, really does, too. I mean, that's kind of one of the things. But anyway, uh, excellent. This isn't about that. Uh, Altered Carbon, check that out. But yeah, what uh, what George has to say about the moon is that what happened wasn't just spiritual. It was also physical. So she, like, she did something to the moon. Yeah. And even if it was only for a minute, that is enough to mm-hmm. really mess up the planet, at least the weather, for a little while. And yeah, he also points out that the reason he can talk when asked is because now that Thessaly's gone, her command that he couldn't talk is gone, which means that Wanda could go if she wants. So she's been told it's, hor- it's terribly dangerous and mm-hmm. been told, though, that she's not under any obligation to stay, and she now chooses to stay. Yeah. For her friend. 
And she wonders if the girls are uh, are with them yet. And he says, no, they're probably still on the moon road. But you shouldn't worry about them. You should worry about Barbie and the weather. <laughs> the big red blood goop <laughs> hanging down the wall. Ugh. It reminds me right here when he says, and the weather. I feel like it should go to intermission. It should be like Welcome to Night Vale. If you haven't listened to Welcome right. to Night Vale, there's so much you can listen to now. It's one of the greatest podcasts ever made. Uh, and uh, and when they go to their intermission every time. Their musical intermission is called The It's weather. called The Weather. It's yeah. so good. So yeah, I just imagined this was the perfect time for a musical interlude. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back in the land. Wilkinson Bar- tries to be optimistic. Oh, he gets so optimistic here. That's what's really heartbreaking. Yeah, he finally sees a little bit of hope, which is exactly when a pessimist should have what happens to him. Happen. That's more than luck. Someone's looking out for us. I dare say when we get back to the island, something will tell us how to use the porpentine. There'll be some old hermit or instructions carved on a rock only visible on the day we get there. It's all working out. <laughs> oh, doesn't he know not to say things like that? Ugh. Did you bring back any friends? Yes, lots of them. That's her. And uh, yeah, I called Wilkinson a bit of a coward, but he does step in the way. Oh, yeah. And then pay the price. Oh, yeah. He tells her to run away. He gets between them, even though it's like clearly, you know. Yeah. These are big murderous black guards. Like there's nothing that he can do. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets he gets all choppied up. It's a quick death, at least. But it's yucky. And Luz is super careful. I want one of you on each side of her on the walk down. She is not going to throw herself off the cliffs. I wonder what happens if she dies in the land. Yeah, I'm guessing wakes up. I'm I'm guessing that the that throwing herself off the cliffs would cause problems mm. and probably wake her up. And then the cuckoo wouldn't get whatever the cuckoo wants. Mm. For whatever reason, they don't want that to happen. Jesus, where are you taking me? To the citadel of the cuckoo. Are are you the cuckoo? No, but I have the honor to serve her with all my heart and all my soul. But this isn't a citadel. I know this place. This was our old house in Florida. This is where I grew up. Go in, Barbie. She's waiting for you. So they see this little pink house, which doesn't (laughs) suit the neighborhood at all. There's even a little tricycle out front. Yep. (sighs) Okay. So what is your prediction? Okay, so this is a good one. I got this down. I think that Mm -hmm. the cuckoo is a relative of Barbie's. It's either her mother or her sister or her grandmother, like a female, close female relative. Okay. And I actually am pretty well swayed towards a sister because of the whole thing about cuckoo birds and they're born in the nest and they throw out the little ones. And so like, I think this is someone who is abusive in her past. I think that's who Mm -hmm. the cuckoo is. That's what this all comes back to is this land she created maybe to get away from someone who abused her as a child like because she's been doing this her whole life coming to the coming to this. Okay. And she created this world to protect herself from that. And that's why she's never talked about it. 
Okay, so that person has now captured her then. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen? Um, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess... <laughs> I, I burnt it all out on making a wild assumption I, well, I guess, who the cuckoo is. I, I guess we're going to have to find out Yeah. next episode. You've been Dreaming of the Sandman, Issue 35, A Game of You, Chapter 4. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming. And we'd sure appreciate it if you tell your friends about us. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.